All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the first seminar this afternoon on uh, the, the subject of the rudimental influences of Etruscan culture during the uh, Holy Roman Empire of Louis the Sluggard. And uh, I'll be your teacher and trail guide. No, wait, that's next week, sorry. Um, anyway, my name is Norm Daniels. I, uh, my wife, Patsy, who is sitting here with the white shirt on, my favorite wife. We've been married for 41 years. Good. And we met here at Hume. In 1980, she was a lifeguard, so I spent a lot of time at the pool and tried to drown. <laughs> she would say, put your feet down and stand up, young man. Get off the rope and come here. No, anyway, she's uh, raised three beautiful children, and they are also Hume kids. And then in 2003... Yeah, 2003, there was a big fire in San Diego and my mom's house burned down and I began to get that aching ache to get back home. So we, about 2005, we decided to leave and I took a position as an executive director for a small camp down there called Pine Valley Bible Camp. We've been there ever since. And then, uh, but I failed miserably as a director. <laughs> it's, a long, it's a long story. As an executive director, I'm a good cartoonist. <laughs> That's my gift. But managing people, oh my word. Uh, this that's not my gift, and um, so the, the board was smart enough to go. You know, you're not very good at this, <laughs> and so anyway, then had some health issues, and and Patsy stayed on as uh, she still does registration. But in a nutshell, that's the story of the last few years, and it's an honor that Emily would ask me to come up and do this because, uh, for, first of all, I love Hume Lake, and Hume Lake, if all the camps that I know, and there's not many, but I that I know. But humans are on the cutting edge using art, aren't they? And we were just talking about that. They're, they're, they're willing to spend the money and buy the good equipment and lighting and, and, and video. And, and just back in the day, we were shooting video on three-quarter inch tape. You know, lugging around. Poor Rob. You don't remember Rob. But, and it was just, it was fun to see it. Yeah, the way it's evolved. And Josh Smith and I, we were in that office right over there. And just, uh, man, we had fun. It was good. Just, it was shooting stuff and putting together brochures that was really fun so i uh as you know i brought the universe with me it's important to have um to have a have bring carrier universe and what i said today in the, in the opening was it gives us a perspective and our perspective if it's if it's bound to our uh our physical space-time world who was it last night that said we're three-dimensional people that was a great line if it's bound to our three dimensions, it's pretty weak and pretty small, and 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 it's pretty. It, it, at a certain point, it explodes with just boredom because there's there's so much more. And when I, when the Lord redeemed me by His grace, in in the late seventies, um, slowly I began to study some thoughts from people who were taking a view of eternity and 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 spilling it into ways I had never thought before. And one of those authors was a man by the name of Francis Schaeffer. And so I, when Emily asked me to do this, I said, well, I'm going to go through, this is the, I bought the, these are ancient, and this is the, the set of his entire work. So I'm working this study will be primarily from uh, uh, the book called uh, uh, Escape from Reason, 
which is I highly recommend it. It's it will take what I'm trying to distill and throw at you uh, and, and make it make sense. <laughs> he does this ever so much better than I can do it. And uh, so it'll be fun. At any rate. All right. Let me uh, ask God's blessing on our time together. All right. Uh, Father, I'm nervous because I know I'm weak and feeble and a goof. And you are uh, okay with that as long as I just make you number one. And um, these people have come here to learn and grow and, and, and think about life and art and beauty in a new way and a happy way. And uh, also in a way that challenges them to grow their own skill and grow their own love for the, uh, the gift you've given us of art and music, drama, so forth. Wonderful things. And so bless us, we pray in the name of Christ. Amen. I, I'm, I handed out a series of quotes, and they're sort of random, and I'll, we'll refer to them as we go along. Um, but I, I, the very first quote on here, G.K. Chesterton, who is, you read G.K. Chesterton? Uh, I don't know where I found this, but art, he says, is like morality. It consists in drawing a line somewhere. And uh, I, I like that because a lot of times, how many of you are painters or, or illustrators or cartoon drawer, drawers? And that's me. I couldn't, a blank piece of paper would run when they saw me coming because it knew it was going to be attacked. And I love to sketch and draw, and it's helped me, got me through school, and it gets me through most sermons, but you know what I mean, because a, a good preacher tells a story, and the story wants to be drawn, it begs to be drawn, and so I love to do that, and so my, my notebooks are full of illustrations from the sermons, <clears throat> so I love the drawing and the, and the visual arts, so what I assume then the rest are musicians, uh, yeah, uh, dancers, what, Tell me, what do you do? Because uh, this is a paint. I'm a painter, and I don't know other art very well. And yet, it crosses over, and that's what we're going to see as we look at this. So I love G.K. Chesterton. There, you, you stand at a canvas. You stand at a blank canvas, and I'm not a writer, but I've heard there's a thing called writer's block, right? That's a blank canvas. Where in the world do I put that first? And a lot of times I'll stand there and I'll tone the canvas and get it ready for paint. And I'll just have to mix up my paint and go, there, okay, now we're going, we're going, we're moving. So these are some paintings I did, I've done. And I brought them because, like I was saying earlier, I'm a raging egomaniac, which I'm really working on. And I'm, <laughs> I want people to go, those are really nice. No, I don't. I, and for those of you who are listening to the tape, they're really nice paintings. <laughs> But I'm a nut, and I just love the paint. I just love it. And people say, why? And I go, well, it's that quote from, from uh, Eric Little, right? You've seen the movie, Chariots of Fire? You, I, it's homework. You have to go see this movie. And in it, well, as we heard the other night, stole my mind. Anyway, Eric Little knows that he's been called to go to China. He was raised in China. Folks were missionaries there, and he knows he's going to go back to China, but he also runs. So, 1938, the Olympics come to Paris, and he thinks he can make it. He's going to try for it. That's a true story. And so, 
Uh, but his sister, she's very nervous and fretting over him. She says, your head's so full of running, you have no time for God. That's what she said with this great Scottish accent, right? And so he says, Jimmy, don't fret. I know God made me for a purpose, but he also made me fast. Oh, isn't that good? And when I run, I feel his pleasure. Then he says, to not run would be to hold him in contempt. And I think that's amazing what that gift is that you've been not given. And I don't know when it woke up in me that I like to paint or I can paint. And I, I want to do better. I practice and work, get better because they're, they're better now than they used to be because I, I love it. And when I paint, I, I feel the pleasure. It's good. It's fun. And so this is actually inspiration point from up at the, where they served the pancakes, looking down into the King's Canyon. You know, King's Canyon is the deepest canyon in, in the nation. Yeah, it's deeper than any, from the top to the bottom, from Grand Sentinel all the way to the bottom. This is Aspen Meadow, or Aspen Hollow, which is just down the road, and if you have time, it's worth driving down to see. Uh, there's something about Aspens, right? Mm -hmm. They shimmer. You hear that sound, like, oh. And uh, I did the original this one for Patsy, uh, for Patsy's mother, and she liked it, but it was bigger, and when she passed, her Patsy's brother took the painting, so I thought, I know Patsy would like to have another one because she liked the paint, but we had to have a smaller one because we were living in a smaller area. But anyway, I love that. And, and again, lights, the way light, I just art, it's so much fun. And this one's very utilitarian. This is some tugboats or something down at the fishing fleet in San Diego over there. And this is Point Loma, but I didn't have a spot there. Mm -hmm. Looking towards Coronado. It's Coronado, Coronado Islands, Mexican Islands, like, not where the Hotel Dell is. <laughs> but anyway, so that's why I brought those. I, I feel his passion. I love it. I, I sometimes I'll pass up. Are you done? <laughs> I, I went to bed an hour ago. Uh, but no, the point is, is that you just get in that zone, right? And you just, oh, it's going, it's going good. I love it. So what we want to do, what I have, uh, what I'm hoping to do is to talk about some of these, the way the universe is. This is the universe, it's a smaller scale, it's not actual size. And the universe, back before man fell, was open. And we were given the privilege, because in this case we didn't have a Volkswagen, this room was Volkswagen. So whatever's there, we could see it, we knew it, we had a relationship to it. But then, but then, we fell. We, there was a space-time fall. And it was shut. And the, and the reality of the, the door slamming shut put us into a position where what we could know about the unseen world had to come by special revelation, right? Although Romans later teaches us that at least in the stars we get a glimpse. And I think I have put that on my next, my next slide. So what I, what I want you to see here in the universe is that there's an upper story and a lower story. And we live here, but we're constantly being influenced by this lower story. And this one is a subtle, quiet voice that we're given. <clears throat> so in the first, if I know how to do this, I've never done a PowerPoint. So if it explodes, in the upper story, we find grace. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal powers, his divine nature have been clearly seen. 
being understood from what has been made, so that men are without excuse. You know this verse, isn't it great? Because sometimes you do, my wife teaches a class in astronomy. I get those words. Astronomy, and she she loads all these great stories, and where we live is a beautiful dark sky, and you can see this, and she has this pointer, and she can point out, she says, there's this certain uh, uh, constellation, and then tells the story about it. So ever since the beginning of time, we've looked up to the heavens, and we've seen these things, and the, eventually somebody goes, this is bigger than us. This is big. This is big, really, really big. The upper story reveals grace, the uncreated creator of all things, heaven, all heavenly beings and things, the unseen influences on earth, our soul, and the unity of the, of the universe, universe, unity. And so that is what the artist gets a chance to try to reveal to those who are, I think it's this button, yes, in the lower story. And that is the created stuff, this, this bag of water we live in. This is not eternal. It was, but we decided to throw in a trash can. But this thing is affected by the lower story. The earthy things, the visible and the natural things, our body and the diversity of us all. And that's why we get along with each other so well all the time. <laughs> that's the lower story, which is why then I have this quote from Godfrey Ben, which is, uh, this is a really good, it's very small, I'm sorry about that. But here's what he says. He says, faith in meaning, hope for meaning, faith in meaning, is the elixir of life. History is an endless, meaningless, interminable cycle of cultures coming into being and passing away. Inhumanely mindless as the stars that circle around us according to the mathematical laws, unmoved by anything rational. Whenever creative man constructs a work of art, he rests in oasis, a tiny area of meaningfully molded life from the desert of this futile and meaningless world. And for the sake of this tiny bit of meaning, life is worth living. So even the skeptic, Gottfried Van, German nihilist, who I think in his early life, I think he had some religious training. Anybody studying Gottfried Van? Um, I, didn't, I had to do some research. When I found this quote, I was like, wow, that's powerful. But here's what he's saying. He's going... Faith and meaning, in other words, I hope something somewhere means something. Because when that is what gets me high, the elixir. That's what gets me drunk. I'm, I'm happiest when I at least hope that something has meaning. See that? Does that make sense there? So he finally stumbles into a, uh, uh, an art gallery. or uh, Well, there's probably no gallery, but he stumbles into an art museum. Or maybe a big church with wonderful stained glass windows. And he goes, Wow. Wow, an artist rested out of this meaningless world something beautiful. And that, finally, that makes life worth living. So he sees how important art is. But what's sad about this? You see the sadness in him? Is that he's not, he sees the beauty that you revealed to him, but he doesn't look to where the beauty came from, which is what's sad. So that's a good he, he's, he's in the lower story. He sees the upper story, but he can't, he's not breaking through. See it? And, and that's too bad. So we'll continue now uh, with a few things. Oh, oh, two stories. And I have this great quote. Oh, boy, that's going to be hard to read. This is Evelyn Underhill. And this is the problem. 
this is the conclusion of the matter, she says. We are called to live in two directions, not only one, and to obey two commands, not one. We are not fully human. Uh, we, we are not fully human until we do so. For we are compound creatures of sense and of spirit, of mind and of soul, dwellers in time, yet capable of eternity. What a great quote. Therefore, nature alone is not going to content us, nor are the greatest triumphs of the intellect ever going to teach us the secrets of life. So we're torn, right? We're in the middle going this direction and that direction. We have a rose bush over here going, look at me, smell me, sit down, smell, drink a cup of coffee, take it easy, would you? And over here we get stuff going on. Car needs gas or brakes. Somebody's mad at us and kids are screaming. Israel's being attacked. I mean, things over here are calling for our attention and things over here are saying, there's also this. It's a, it's a tear to live in that world, torn. And that's why the believer has such a wonderful opportunity to, in Christ, be able to live in both worlds. To, to, to live in a world with such torment and terror almost and say, let me show you grace. Let me show you grace. Grace is exciting. I have a very dear friend whose wife just died <coughs> this week. And I talking to him, and I says, I said, Glenn, it, it's just there's, you have so much to be thankful for about what you had with Rosie, and um, and he, I don't think he's a believer. I'm praying so hard for him, and um, gosh, it tears. It's so unfair, it's so rough, but it's so real and gritty. And so I watch his life, and I'm, I just want to be a good friend now, to live in both worlds for this guy. So anyway, there, Evelyn Underhill, I, 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 she's hard to read, but I like, I really enjoy her work. All right, so we're going to go now, we're going to start, as we skip our brain across the pond of art history, we're going to start, we could go all, a, a lot further back, because if you read the New Old Testament, you find that, 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 that Solomon was given some very, very specific construction ideas on building the temple, right? Beautiful. Pomegranates and, and uh, 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 Palm, uh, what do you call those things with the uh, palm, trees. palm trees? Same word as pomegranate, almost. And Jerry Root calls palm trees God's fireworks. And, um, and I'll, very, but I'm not going to go that far back. We're going to start with the classics. We're going to start with the Greeks. And I want in each of these slides, you're going to see how influences took an artist to do what the artist did. In the the Greek artist was called the technia, and it was an, he was a worker. He worked, he built, he didn't, he wasn't a fine artist. Art was pragmatic. If you went to him and said, show me the art gallery, he would say, no, I'm doing this. Because there wasn't, there was no art gallery. Everything was art. The temple itself was art. Every home, every, every, see, he's holding a goblet and a, and, a, and it was artistic. <clears throat> of course, they had a view of a deity and they had a view of humanity and of nature <clears throat> and of their myth. And it came through him to the thing that was built. But the deity was plurality. And the deity and the, <laughs> the Greek gods, they were not pleasant creatures. You know, and so they were always running afraid from the deity, the plural. So they had to, if they painted it a certain color, they had, well, that might offend Zeus. We better make one over here that's paint. So, you know, they're dealing with, uh, with pluralities of deities. 
Uh, and of course, humanity was very, very strong, especially the castes of those of you who are not allowed to be uh, into this area. The virtue, beauty, and rightness of every manufactured article, living creature in action, is assessed only in relation to the purpose for which it was made. So that brings me to my object lesson. This is our foundation, nature. Now we're going to build up and find grace. So I have four building blocks. And the first one is function. Now, when I studied architecture, we were told that form follows function. Remember that? Yeah. Remember that? Which was good, because otherwise I'd have made a kitchen that looked like a horse barn. I don't know. I need space. Form followed function. And then beauty. There's four pillars eventually. And my last pillar is glory. And on top of that will be where we're going to place our object of art. So in this case, we're going to put something God made. A pine cone. And, and it has function. Does it have function? What does it do? Yeah, it grows seeds and makes baby pine cones. It has form. I love the form. Isn't that fun? I love that. Pine cones are so cool. Beauty can be subjective. But I'm, I'm okay that to say it's a beautiful thing. God made it beautiful. Does it glorify? Is it glory? Does it bring glory? How so? How so? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Color. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Without it, we don't get the Jeffrey Pine that this came from. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever seen the sequoia pine, the sequoia trees out here? We've got a few of them around. And then if you go out to the, where the giants are, the giant sequoia, you've seen the giant sequoias, right? Have you ever seen the seed that the giant sequoia comes from? You've, oh, oh, it's, it's a dot. It's no bigger than this. It's, it's no bigger than that. And the, the cone itself is probably only about that big, wouldn't you say? The cone? Yeah, you've seen them. And they're really amazing. And from that comes a tree. And here's, this is me. There we go. Any similarity between him and Shirley Clinton? No. But that's the sequoia. You've seen the sequoia. Yeah. Sequoia wins. Who won? Sequoia won. So what if we set, so that's pretty, that's fun. So I have a friend who's a sculptor and he made this for me. It's a, it's a, it's a hammerhead shark. And I'm going to put that up there and see if, I'm not saying this is the absolute criterion by which, which you're going to judge art. Because art's so, and we'll get into that, art can be pretty subjective at times. And I can be kind of a snob about art. You know, I was laughing last night when he said, sometimes people like uh, Thomas Kincaid. And I was laughing. And he's, because he goes, well, then that's okay. No, it's not. <laughs> but yes, it is. Quiet, Norm. 
So this is just, it has a function. It is molded after function. It brings me great pleasure to look at it, to touch it. It's a very, and if it was real, its function is pretty exciting, right? If it was a real, ever seen a hammerhead in life, in real life? Yes, cool, aren't they? There's like, how did you do that? What were you thinking that God would make a creature with an eye over here and an eye over there going, you know, oh, it's amazing. It has form, it has beauty. To me, it has great beauty, and of course, it has glory. It glorifies God, it glorifies. And so the artist that made it was a, a Christian man, Gail Evers, if you know him. He had a family, had a place up there with him. And then the last thing, I got this guy just because, I don't know, I use this guy, and this is me, sorry. And I, I, have a, I have, this is you, okay? We've been working out. We have function. It's amazing what the body, the functions of right? ingestion, digestion, absorption, assimilation, accretion, motion, sensitivity, reproduction. It's amazing what the body can do. The t what is it? Somebody said 10 senses were made for the atom, and we get three. And it's amazing. It has form. Some of it's bigger than others, but each one has a form. It has beauty. It's amazing. The human being is an amazing thing, created. And it brings glory to the creator. What we do, somehow he's pleased. Awesome. It's really cool, isn't it? So that's the pillars of art. Any questions so far? Because we're going to fly now. This is going to get, I just had to let that stuff in there. So the next phase we're going is, I didn't spend, uh, I'm going to fly through this one too, because I thought well, there's so much going on in Asia and the Orient that I don't even touch. So I just, the Tao, that's the Tao, the moral order of the universe. Perfection, one does not know whether art is Tao or Tao is art, says Confucius, but it's very much an effortless thing. And I'm not gonna spend more time because I don't know much more about it. Other than I love it when I see beautiful art from the Orient, it's just, it's so effortless, right? And I wanna study more about it. So I throw that slide in there only because I, I don't know. It's okay not to know. All right, now we come to the Middle Ages. A thing is beautiful if there is integrity or perfection, due proportion of harmony, brightness, and clarity, says Thomas Aquinas. And the Middle Ages, during these days, myth, nature, humanity, all of it comes through God. Of course, God, the gatekeeper, was the Roman church. But then he was financed, he financed the artist. And the artist did the painting, which in many cases was an icon, and the icon glorified God. This was pretty strict, pretty strict stuff, pretty heady, but it was very church-oriented. And from that, we find that the steps that what uh, uh, Schaefer was talking about, how, in, how in, uh, things started to break down, especially in America in the 30s. And philosophy would be the number one. Yes. Oh, no, I got some Korean's wife. Number two was art. And then number three was culture. And number four, no, maybe this was number four. Did I have that back before I do it then? Oh, there it is. Oh, I forgot music. 
and we'll address these things more specifically in our music, then culture, and lastly, theology. Music. So this is probably 1938. This doesn't really have to do with where we're at right now with this guy, but I just wanted to prepare you for that's coming because uh, you'll see how it fits in a minute. Stop me if I'm going too fast or stop me if you just want to go home. <laughs> All right, so in the Middle Ages, art was very much, it was, it was very important in the church, very important. The icons were, if you get a chance to go visit somewhere, they have some icons. Icons simply means representations. Uh, all right, here we go. Then we come to the Italian Renaissance, 14th through the 16th century. And this particular Italian Renaissance, Renaissance man is Leonardo. Leonardo, again, supported by the Roman Church. Beauty is an objective property of things. Painting the Mona Lisa, Le Jacon. And his influences come from God through his thought process, through nature, through myth. All these things are one. Still separate, but one comes through the genius of Leonardo onto the canvas. And see how there's a halo on the canvas? Because art was very, very specifically um, like God. It was deified. That's the word I'm looking for. Deified. So this is very important. I don't think Leonardo was that short. You know. But anyway, uh, yeah, I had to make him fit on top of a, a, a pillar. Because this church was very important, very important to the to the arts, all right. And I don't know. Sometimes I think would that be better? Probably not. I don't know. I like when the church sponsored art, and it doesn't anymore. But I anyway. I don't know. What do you think? Is it good or bad? Would you like your church to come and hire you and say, "Would you Would you like that?" Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it is important. I was good. Then, when the artists were able, you know, ended up having um, sponsors, then that freed them to do different kinds of art, right? Yeah, because up until now, it's you're doing artwork for the church, because they they were the gatekeepers. They held all the frescoes and all the stuff that you needed. Yeah. So maybe the church sponsored us to do what. There you go. There you go. I like it. Yeah, you know, one time I was asked if I would come and paint during a sermon. Everybody asked to do that. Have you seen it done? Yeah. How did you, did it work? Our church had it, but like for four sermons in a row, different artists. It was fun. Yeah, yeah it scares me. Not because I, I'm afraid to do it. No, I just, that's just my ego. I have to be afraid. I'd be like, what if I did something terrible? It was awful. Somebody's going to go, that guy stinks, and he's right. But... I don't know. I, I didn't. I couldn't see myself doing it because I didn't want to distract from the message. You've seen it, and you were pleased with it. It adds to the message. Okay. I haven't seen it during uh, it was a worship gathering. Yeah. Okay, that's that friend. Yeah. Uh, the artist. We saw her playing at first. Yeah. During worship, and as the worship was happening, and we were joining in worship. I love it. She began, and then you could see it take. Yeah, that's kind of fun. I, yeah, I like that. I saw a potter do that once. That was really unique because his, uh, the camera was just zoomed in on his hands. So rather than watching, all you, were, you weren't watching him, you were watching him make his mold, molding it. Remember that, Pats? Yeah, that was beautiful. I, I, I like it. So I'm slowly changing my opinion about this. 
which is good. You got to play me and pliable, right? Or you'll snap. All right. Then we come to the Flemish Renaissance. There were two Renaissance, you know. There was the Dutch Renaissance and the Italian Renaissance. The Italian Renaissance, they had pizza. <laughs> the Dutch Renaissance, they had wooden shoes. The Dutch Renaissance, you'll notice, look what's missing. Do you remember? How do you go backwards? Yeah, myth. The Dutch, or the Flemish, the Dutch, they were very practical people. There were no myths, no myths. You understand? The homer ate. I know where he lived. There was no messing around. There was. It was very strict, but it was also extremely beautiful. So precise. I look at Flemish paintings, and I, I just, I'm blown away by the skill. We have the girl in the pearl earring. Is that right, Bob? Vermeer, 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 right? And. Um, then I learned to use the camera obscura. Here I'm thinking he was not good, but he was good. But nature, humanity comes through the artist, and it all goes back to God because the common beautiful things are beautiful. This is a philosophy that I like that has come into some parts of American culture that is just, it is rich. It is rich. Um, anyway, so... The Flemish Renaissance. All right, we're going to fly now because I don't know what time it is. But then we hit the age of reason, the Renaissance. Oh, my goodness. Oh, we're only half an hour into it. Okay. Now, in the Enlightenment, <clears throat> what happens is you have, this is where philosophers like Sartre, well, it starts with Kierkegaard. Because Kierkegaard goes two ways. He goes theologically and he goes philosophically. But you have Kierkegaard and Kurt and Oh, help me with some other of these guys who, who said, who said, yeah, Skinner. Uh, and, and where are some of the, let's look at some of these quotes. And this is what they were saying. They were saying, uh, oh, look at Carl Sagan. Carl, I, I moved that on there. I threw that on there because I, thought, I remember the first time I heard him say that. He says, the cosmos is all there is. It's all there ever was. It's all there ever will be. Boy, what a shame. The cosmos is gorgeous, but for you and I, it points to the uncreated creator, right? But for Carl Sagan, it just points to nothingness. That's all there is. Uh, let's see, I thought I had... Yeah, these quotes, yeah, they're just fun. You'll enjoy them, but I, I keep forgetting what I've got here. I get so... But in the, in the Age of Reason, we have uh, nature and is of order and variety, but there is no benevolence. They just, so the reason gun lies on the ground, that's the smoking gun, because it's killed the great themes. God is dead. Humans are like rats. Doesn't it Skinner that says that? Uh, he's a sentence of humanity, humans, rats. Nature is polluted and history is mythological. Believe what you want, it's just a myth, right? And so with that, art becomes really dark. And so... When I did this, when you find that if this, this is going down and you got Kierkegaard, Kierkegaard, the artist listens to Kierkegaard and sees that art, that the world is meaningless and man is like a rat. And so all the great themes that we have just, just, just a, a couple of days before, these don't die right away. They die slowly and painfully. 
Because as soon as this kind of stuff gets shown, the stuff from the Enlightenment, people rebel against it, right? They push away. They don't like it. When when we get to abstraction, expressionism, abstract expressionism, you'll see what I, I mean just in the in some of the music that was portrayed. So I don't want to spend too much time here because it's too dark and boring because all of a sudden comes this guy. <laughs> and this is a great revolt against the Enlightenment. This is the wonderful 18th century, the Romanticism. And this is the first time we now call art fine art. And it exists as a thing to give us pleasure and beauty. It's not utilitarian. It's not negative and angry. It is pretty and it's happy. And it comes to this guy, humanity. God, yeah, God's there, but God gives to humanity and nature gives to humanity. And he goes to this genius and the genius paints himself and himself reflects upon himself. Now, I'm not saying there's not some beautiful music that came out of the romantic. Beautiful music and art. I mean, there certainly is. But it was the first time that the artist becomes something of a, of a rock star almost, right? I mean, he's, he's a big deal. He's not just painting for the church anymore. He's hanging out at the parties. And people are going, hey, aren't you Monet? Because <laughs> when I hang out at those parties, they go, aren't you supposed to be getting me a glass of water? <laughs> Feeling is the source of aesthetic experience. So we bring along a pretty scene that makes us feel good. And to this day, when we, have, when we say something uh, is romantic, that's what we mean. It makes us feel good. It, it, so we make a decision on something and somebody will say, well, that's just a romantic thought, isn't it? I'm guilty of that. I do pretty paintings because, well, I actually have people go, your paintings make me happy. I do goofy stuff. I didn't bring any with me, but I like to do like cartoons. I've got any with me, but uh, but I'll do a cartoon, and and I'll have people say, I like the cartoons. Well, I, I know. Were you here this summer? I did the summer theme posters, and they were all goofy. Every one of them was just silly and 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 crazy and. Uh, uh, I don't really have anything. There's a lot of stuff in here. Follow the sketch. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Anyway, so, but it makes people happy. I like that. I like making people happy. It's fun. So, I'm, I'm kind of, I suppose, a romantic at heart. The music that comes along, and I'm going to go to the next scene, and there's some, I want to introduce you to this piece. This is, uh, which you probably know, this is Gustav Holst's piece of music called The Planets. Seven movements, is that right? And each one, he's a mystic, Gustav Holtz, Englishman. And each one of that, that's a cartoon I did. Saturn, the bringer of old age. Uh, each piece is about a different planet. And so the, this isn't art from that period, this is music from that period. But I want you to hear what he does here. He ends this piece. With a, with a triad of notes. It's coming, so I'm talking over it because it's not there yet. But what I want, when the first time I heard this, uh, what was I was saying just a minute ago? It was as if, it was as if eternity so snuck by me and whispered in my ear. Yeah. See if you hear it. I'll just let it play out.
Cristo. We're given a whisper every once in a while. And if you go, stop. Now you stop that. We're given a whisper every once in a while. And if you go back and try to get it again, you might not be able to. Lewis talks about that. Trying to relive that special thing. But still, every time I hear that, I think about that. Patsy tells a story one time. She was running out here. It was when we were living here in the storm. Want to tell it? About that time that you had that snow fell on you? It was just a moment where I was listening to some music about the heavens and it had just snowed and as I was running the snow was glistening and falling and it was um, some of the words was God's grace is falling on us so it was it was a moment yeah. those moments are precious and that's why I like this one where it says uh, the, the, the more one discovers of the nature the more marks of beauty and wisdom we, we discern. And uh, there, there we have, oh, I forgot to slam this thing shut. The reason, the age of reason. Sorry, you're on your own now. All right, now we can go back to this. Um, I'm not the sharpest marble in the box. <laughs> I'll tell you, if I get bad invited, it's because I don't eat much. Um, but the, when we... When, you, when I listened to that, the first time I listened to that, I, that was the feeling I got. And it happens sometimes in music, it happens sometimes in art, you stand and you just go, I think I just got a glimpse. You know, that was a wonderful thing. The artist gets, now tell that story. You, what do you get to do? You get to go back and write about it, or draw about it, or paint about it, or, 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 or dance about it. I don't know. David did. David danced. He saw the art and he was like, I got to dance. You know, didn't it make his wife a little upset? Yeah, what a fool. But you probably dance like me. You do not want to see. Anyway. Uh, the Romantic movement lays perfect groundwork for the Impressionist movement, which comes along again. Now we're in the 19th century. And we, we, we've eliminated the uh, uh, God and myth. And man is just, he's... Yeah, he's part of the deal, but not that much. Nature too. Light and color are the thing. The Bohemian is not on the surface, below the surface. I'm you're not worthy. I'm a poor, starving artist in Paris, right? And uh, so the Bohemian has a chance to look at the flies. Oh my goodness! I think she needs to bathe. Um, number one thing is the message. What can I tell you to basically kind of you know make you upset? Right? And so the, the message of the Bohemian is, and continues to this day, to be a little antisocial, right? More, than, more often than not. And I, when, last night, when, when, uh, when, uh, um, uh, huh? It's just, yeah, extra credit. <laughs> Eric talked about Viola doing the art and how it seems so dark. And I was like, yeah, sometimes that's what happens in college. I remember when I was in college, you kind of think you're a big shot. You always start reading these guys. And you're like, yeah, no, no I'm not going to make anything pretty anymore. <laughs> so he's just throwing his bone and do something. You know, that was pretty funny. So we all want to be a bohemian and wear green lipstick and peace. Impressionism. But some great music. Debussy, 
you know, beautiful music that comes out of this period. Ravel. Um, um, who else? Help uh, me. Pardon? Yeah, I don't, I don't know his dates, but I do live. My mom was a concert pianist, so we listened to a lot of Chopin. Um, uh, well, anyway, but you know, you, you just look up impression, impression music, you'll find some. I, I should have, I didn't listen to enough music. Uh, and then comes expressionism and ex abstract expressionism. Sometimes I, and this is why I have that B.F. Skinner, to man qua man, we readily say good riddance. Patui. Who needs man? Throw poop on a canvas. Oh, did I say that out loud? Okay, sorry. We'll have to edit that out. But that's what happened, right? That's what has our culture has become, where the crucifix is submitted in, or submerged in a jar of human excrement. And it just, it's so sad. It just makes me sad, but it reveals the heart going darker and darker as the line of despair and despair goes down and down and down. And even to the point of the theology has gotten kind of at a point of despair now. It's really sad. So here he is. Darkness has invaded his very soul. I was reading a friend of mine's quote, uh, a Facebook page the other day. I'm not real close to this guy. But he said, I'm really depressed, you guys. And this might be the day. So a lot of people were around going, no, Ron, don't do that. Don't do what you're thinking about doing. We love you. Your art's good. And so I went back and looked at this stuff. It's dark. It's skulls and Devils and Halloween, super super-sized Halloween. And um, I, I, so I'm formulating something to write to him to just say, well, no wonder you're depressed. Your world is just darkness around you. Everywhere you look, it's just darkness has invaded your soul. So that's all you can do is just throw mud on a canvas and go, man, I don't care. I don't care. So Skinner's going to answer for this, you know, and uh, but it's certainly... Plagues. I didn't read. Has anybody read much Skinner or Camus? Yeah, I did read Camus. What was that one? The Bug? Is that him? And I just, I, halfway through, or Herman Hass, I was like, oh, I felt, I want to take a shower. You know? <laughs> All right, uh, where are we at? Oh, then, oh, actually, this is abstract expressionism. <laughs> Cubism, pop art, op art, environmental, minimal, technological, AI, I have no idea. There are no longer any absolutes. This thing slams shut. This is kind of where we're at now. We tape a banana to the wall. It's autonomous. Don't you dare have an opinion about it. It's autonomous. You don't have a right to judge art anymore. Art stands as itself. Art is art. Art. And we don't get to say it stinks. It's bad. And it is. And it's a joke. But the banana, remember that? That happened only about a year ago. And what did it sell for? Several millions of dollars or some saw it and took it off the wall and ate it. Well, that'd be awesome. <laughs> what was the one where the guy put a, a painting above a shredder? And if you... Pardon? Because he didn't want them to sell it. I think, I think, I'm not sure. He didn't want them to sell it at the auction. And yeah. So they sold for a really high price. Yeah. And he does graffiti, so he doesn't really like, like the uppity art. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so... He had it plugged in, so it would just like shred. Shred, yeah. Creative, yeah. You gotta admit it's creative, and that's why the that's why this guy, he's standing there going, some help. I don't get it. I just don't get. It. Remember the Norman Rockwell painting of the guy standing in front of the Jackson Pollock. The Jackson Pollock probably twenty feet by twenty feet, and he's Jackson Pollock, 
and he's just staring at it. It's so classic. <laughs> I don't know where we're at now. I think we're done. Oh, finally, anti-art, and we returned without free form and void. And this is a sad thing that we are, we're, we find ourselves in this world, and that's it. But I, I, I just, uh, what I want to do as we go through this, oh, there's my desktop. That was weird. I looked down and go, why did my desktop get up there? Well, there it is again. I haven't backed up my computer in 11 days. <laughs> so, I don't know how to, I guess you just turn it off, I guess would be the best, best way to do it. So you're not distracted by my desktop. Where would you put Norman Rockwell and all those Saturday the, evening posts? Those great illustrators. Yeah, yeah. In, that's a really good question because I'm an illustrator. I have a lot of people say, well, illustration is not fine art. And I don't know. I go back and I look at Plaid and Dean Cornwell, Norman Rockwell. Man, to say that's not fine art. I get that its purpose was more utilitarian, was to sell and to product sales and so forth. Uh, so, and that was 40s and 50s, and uh, before the advent of computerized, computer-generated uh, products. But um, <clears throat> I, I put it there, and I would call it fine. To this day, well, you couldn't afford to buy one of the original. And I've seen them for sale at Art, art uh, Comic-Con last year. I went into one of the booths. This guy had this all these Rockwells. They started at uh, like $60,000, $70,000 for one big thing like that. So, Yeah. Jose's Museum of Modern Art and my husband and I and we were surprised by the use of urinals and toilets for modern art <laughs> we were just I guess we uh, we were just surprised um, yeah <laughs> any thoughts? well that's in that where we're at that I last anti-art that's what you would confirm because I'm listening yeah. to you talk about this and I'm thinking is that is that anti-art or is that the stuff before because it just was strange I didn't yeah. Yeah, maybe it's a better blend of both. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody's so eager to surprise and scare and startle. Yeah. You know, and uh, I walked into a gallery not long ago, one of Solana Beach, beautiful, beautiful gallery, and I was looking at this stuff on the walls. And I, they started at half a million dollars. Now they're huge, but they were nonsense, and they were honestly an elephant with a trunk load of paint could have painted this stuff. That's not very kind of me to say. And I there again, I admit, I'm a snob about some of this stuff. I like to see some effort and talent involved. I, and I want to get better. But at the same time, I looked at that and went, no, oh, I don't get it. But it was a New York gallery. And there was, you know, enough said, huh? Anyway, yeah, I'm, I'm, well, you've just confirmed my point. Thank you. Anybody else have any thoughts, questions, comments, rebuttals, insights? I, I have another yes. thing to say. I was listening listening to the music. Um, you said it was called something about uh, the seven planets. That were yes, Gustav Holtz, the planets is the name of it. It almost sounded like me. The, the visualization that I had, the building up kind of reminded me of experience of pregnancy and hmm. anticipation of building up and then the anticipation of birth and then that part where there was the 
transition for the yeah. baby. It was almost like the light that they experienced yeah. the baby yeah. coming into the world. Yeah. And then mm. as it built down, it felt like that peace of living with the child after all. Wow. Wow. Well, thank you, because, wow. I was there when the birth of all my three children, but I just remember guys saying, don't lean on me. Here's <laughs> 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 excuse. Uh, that's, can, do you see what she's, does that make sense, what she's saying, that final? Well, again, that's a, it's that beautiful moment that mm-hmm. she saw. And, and she, and How many mommies do we have? Would you agree? Yeah. I mean, to the pain, Kane's beautiful yeah, moment. Yeah, wow. Well, what I love about that, why I say it, 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 it whispered eternity in my ear, is because he takes this scale, and and then in the, on the second repeat of that scale, he takes it up to the seventh. Is that right? So he goes uh, the third. Musicians, help me if I'm right, not right on that. I think that's right. And then you think he's going to go to the third and resolve because re- resolution of the chord is the root, right? Am I right? Right. The resolution of the chord would, would, would be the third and would be the resolution. But he doesn't resolve. So because he doesn't resolve, in my mind, it's still playing. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it doesn't ever resolve, which I love. Like sometimes I'll I play the guitar and I used to be a song leader and I would go do do ba ba and leave it there. The kids would go <laughs> and I'd come back a couple hours later, ba da. <laughs> but I do remember leaving unresolved just to make us walk a little funny the rest of the day. But yeah, I'm glad you saw that. It's a beautiful piece. I recommend it. Um I got the whole thing on here I can put it on and listen to it but uh, each like the first one is Mars the bringer of war and if you listen to it you'll go whoa wait a minute John Williams listen to this mm. yeah it's pretty good and, and then there's Neptune which is really mystical and then Saturn the bringer of old age and Uranus and uh, oh, I don't remember he doesn't do one on Earth and Lewis no well yes you, you guys like C.S. Lewis Anybody here doesn't like C.S. Lewis? You need to leave right now. <laughs> Lewis taught in the, uh, the trilogy, space trilogy. He talks a lot about the gods of the planets. Now, of course, we don't, but it's kind of cool the way he personifies the planets, right? Because it's just you can see this music in that uh, because Jupiter, or, uh, Jupiter and uh, and uh, Saturn, we don't meet them. We meet Venus and Mars. And have you read it? Malachandria, no, no, Paralandria and Malachandria, am I right? Yeah. yeah, that's Venus and Mars. What was her? Oh, Tullochandria, the silent planet. Tullochandria. Tullochandria, okay, the silent planet. So the other two become the, um, yeah, Ransom gets to meet them. And they're, and, and cool, they scare me. They, but they're, they're loving. And Pete, they're, how does he get that? Yeah. Oh, man, it's brilliant. Oh, <laughs> I've never been a woman, but he seems to understand what it's like to be a woman. Isn't that amazing? Am I his description of the green lady is amazing? Is it is she like the perfection of Eve, perhaps? We're way off. We're way off. Well, I'll leave you with this. Here's your charge. You get to open this up. You get to open it up for people through your work, through your writings, through your music, through your artwork, and so forth. Open it up and go, I'll show you something. Your story about the one at the well. 
I was doing, I'll, I'll end with this, promise, promise, promise. Uh, uh, I don't know what time it's in. Oh, it's right now. Okay, good. She's going to tell you, you can go take a nap and then eat. The woman, the, I love that story. It's so important. And uh, I've been praying for the longest time. I'm really involved with a bunch of people who are uh, in, in kind of in, in art and in, uh, the tiki surf culture, right? So I do art shows at these <coughs> events. And I've been burdened for them because it's kind of, it's a party. It's a party scene. And uh, how do I introduce the gospel? So I made a, I did, oh, I might have it. Well, that's too late. Rick, Rick, Rick Griffin, my favorite artist of uh, the era of the 60s, the graffiti artist out of San Francisco that he did like Zap Magazine and Rolling Stone Masthead. He became a Christian late in life. And, but his artwork is unbelievable. He's a great illustrator. He made an illustration for the Gospel of John for Calvary Chapel. And it is fantastic as far as... Uh, the imagery that he creates. And he did a painting of the woman at the well. And in it, you see a woman holding a pot and she's dressed kind of loose. And she's got a red sash around her waist and she's really beautiful. And behind her is a well. And then behind that is you see Jesus, tall, dark, standing there in a, in a robe. And, and all there is is just this water, this translucent water. And it's just gushing out like this. It's unbelievable. And, uh, and I typed in there, and I printed it out, and I typed, come and meet a man who's told me everything I've ever done. And I set it there on my, on my counter for when people come into the booth, thinking, it's, it's so cool, because I love that story. And I come in, what's that all about? And I'd get to tell them the story. And nobody asked me. <laughs> so remember, to, so I'm going to think a better way to pry the thing lit up next time. Let's see if I can find that, because you need to see it. Uh, I told you I'm done. If you want to leave, go ahead and leave. But let's see. Where would I find that? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I can't. I don't know. I, I don't know how to find stuff on my computer. I guess I can use a search. Who would it, what, let's do a woman at the wheel. I typed in woman, I got, Bess, you are my woman. Yeah. What's that from? Uh, Porgy and Bess, right? Okay. Well. Well. Uh, ooh. Nope. Uh, let's try. Norm, what was the artist's name right there? Rick Griffin. Ooh, let's try that. R-I-C-K-G-R-I-F-I. Good name, huh, Griff? Indeed. Yeah. Yeah, I got nothing under Rick Griffin. Let's try. Uh, well, so there are some modern artists. My point is that there are some modern artists who are, who are doing it. You know, they're they're, they're able to create and, and show things. Normal stuff. Yeah, for those of you listening at home, this ended about ten minutes ago. <laughs> I don't know. Just look it up. Look it up. Look up Rick Griffin, Gospel of John, and you'll see all of the, all of these amazing images. He has one of the Lord walking on the water with the guys singing that time, chapter ten, and oh man, it's spooky good. 
you know, and then he's got he's got one of uh, of uh, where the Roman soldiers come and they say, "Who do you seek?" And he says, "I am," and he becomes this Roman or not Roman, but uh, the Greek. I am, you know, ego ami, and every and, and they just they're falling back because in the story they collapse. It's so, he's really magnificent. He died unfortunately in the late sixties. So I'm sorry, sad. All right, go your way, do well. Uh, what's our theme? It's uh, do well and live long and prosper. <laughs> what? No, it's uh, do serve the Lord and do. Oh, trust in the Lord. Trust, do good. Yeah, trust in the Lord. I love yeah. that. Trust in the Lord and do good. Uh, and that it's so good for art. You know, you have to do your best, right? Get better. Get better. Don't be, yeah. Yes. Awesome presentation. Oh, thank you. Thank you. That means the world. Our second son, he studied theater at Cal State Fullerton, and it, it it turned his heart cold. And for Patsy and I, it's been a real burden. We constantly see each other. His story's not done. Pray for him. We pray really hard for him because the story, the Holy Spirit, this is what the Holy Spirit does best. He redeems the lost. I don't know because I see the darkness. It's so dark. It's so dark. So light a candle, I guess. I don't know if we're told to do. I don't know. What else? What do you guys think? That's a good question. And I'm not. So I'm removed from school by 50 years. So yeah. What do you guys? Well, the darkness speak? is dark, but the light is greater. Yeah. That's so Christ, true. Christ has won the victory. So um, I was listening to a podcast <laughs> the other day about and. Uh, brought up in uh, the Sleeping Beauty movie, the Disney animated one, how the dragon is so ginormous and Prince Philip just barely gets her at the end with like, ah, if I throw on the sword and a Hail Mary kind of thing. And um, the, the woman who was telling the story was telling him about her dad and he's like, that's not how it actually works though. Like, darkness is not that big. Mm. And we don't just barely win. We like we win through Christ, and so we have the ultimate victory. So, how that works out practically, 
is kind of an individual by individual basis. <coughs> um, but it would be getting into community. Um, we were talking about playing here earlier, so you know if you can find some kids to play with, you know, legally and So this is what I can do. I can paint, 
sceneries, I can paint in plein air, I can paint landscapes, and I want to do them so that they do, so they're seeing nature, humanity, life, the reality of life, and God under my brush, the way it, light, the way light falls. Even though if you look deep into the canyon, there's animals eating each other down there. <laughs> you know, there's darkness too and sadness, but still there's, I just love light and I love the way I, to paint the light, it's fun. All right, now we, you guys gotta go. Let me pray for you really quick, okay? Father, I'm so grateful for these people that came today and stayed, and I'm very, very kind of them. And thank you that uh, you have laid out for us a pattern uh, in our world to confront the darkness and let open our eyes to see it. And then when, by your grace, we could brush our cheek with the view of eternity and whisper in our ear, even something we see, a friend and watch do something wonderful, um, a child. There's so many ways that you talk to us, but let us not miss those moments. But if that happens, let's capture it and grab it, enjoy it and love it. Wow. And be awestruck by you. And then go out and open the veil to the others so that they might see you too. In Christ's name, amen. Oh, 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 there's one more. You have to look at this. You have to look at this. This is good. This is uh, Elizabeth Barrett Browning. Now, I do, you wouldn't think I read Elizabeth Barrett Browning. He says, Earth, she says, Earth is crammed with heaven, every common bush of fire with God. But only he who takes off his shoes, the rest of us sit around and pluck blackberries. And I'm just, I'm, I just want like shoes. But the point of that is, you got to take your shoes off, sit down, and relax. Imagine the book that Shakespearean quote. So Brownie was saying everything. It's there. That's a good one. G.K. Chesterton. Oh, so Here dies another day with which I've had eyes, ears, hands, the great world around me. And with tomorrow begins another. Another. Okay, you gotta go.